Welcome to the Development Podcast, a podcast jam-packed with fantastic advice on professional development from interviews with renowned authors, speakers, industry professionals, and influencers. I'm your host, Martin Manosalvas. Thanks again for tuning in. Hi, everyone. Thanks again so much for joining in. Uh, today, I'm, I'm beyond thrilled to have one of the best branding designers out there, uh, Frank, also known as G'day Frank, on my podcast to discuss branding. And branding is an important skill that can be widely applicable in a variety of ways, and Frank's here to discuss the benefits and strategy behind it. Uh, Frank is a well-known podcaster, speaker, mentor, and owner of Good Day Frank, a brand identity design consultancy based in Sydney, Australia, that focuses on helping businesses develop a memorable brand. He works with those who want to build a brand, not just a pretty logo. And his goal is to help others create a unique identity with the distinct voice and look that stands out from the rest to offer a consistent customer experience. As I was preparing for this interview, I I was binging a lot of Frank's episodes and couldn't help but think uh, how much I wish I would have listened to these episodes prior to beginning my podcast because Frank offers up a lot of incredible advice around marketing, uh, strategy, and purpose. So, Frank, thanks again. I really appreciate you making the time for this podcast and look forward to interviewing you. So, how are you doing? My man, i I got to record that and put that to every entrance I come <laughs> into, like walk into a room. That was that was fire, my man. <laughs> Thank you so much for that good rap. Um, I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for being, uh, you know, so open to, to wanting me on your show. I am very grateful to be on other people's shows, not just make my own. So um, thanks for having me, for having me, my dude. So let's Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Pleasure to have you. Uh, so can you start us off with just sharing a bit about your career journey and your experience working within branding? Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, creativity kind of goes back to when I was a kid and, and drawing, you know, uh, kind of colored pencil drawings of Ninja Turtles and, you know, speaking about, you know, Michelangelo, Donatello, Raphael and um, Leonardo. And my grandma was like, this boy's a genius. He knows all the Renaissance painters and artists. What the hell? And my mom's like, no, 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 mom. They're they're just Ninja Turtles. It's a cartoon. (laughs) Um, And ever kind of since then, that creativity has been born out of just different kind of, media that has caught my attention be it ninja turtles be it power rangers star wars and things like that where they they tell a story they they take you on a journey and it's an experience and it wasn't probably until i picked up photoshop when i was 15 in high school that i was like oh this is fun i can create stuff here digitally rather than you know with my hands because i'm not so great of an artist in terms of painting and, and sculpting stuff and all that kind of traditional art I like the idea of, you know, advertising and these, this stuff called marketing and things like that. I have no idea what they really mean, but I see these ads on TV and I'm like, oh, I could make that or I could make like a movie like Pixar do, like amazing. Maybe I should do something like this. It's digital. And, um, and from then on, it was, it was kind of just a journey of picking what route I was going to go. And so once I finished high school, it was like, okay, I can go off for a year and do my thing. So I went off and lived in the UK for a year, came back, applied for a uni degree and did four years at uni in a like a Bachelor of Graphic Design basically. But it's visual communication. The idea of visual communication is to 
um, not just create artistic kind of stuff. It's it's to frame, you know, something purposefully to communicate a message to somebody so that they understand mm. it and it shouldn't get in the way of what's going on. So it should just be kind of invisible. And I was like, that's really interesting. How could I apply that? And I see it again in magazines. I see it in commercials and television and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, yeah, look, the route's going to be either going to an ad agency or some kind of branding agency, whichever one it might be, and uh, applied for all these jobs out of uni, got no single callbacks, um, and applied for this one kind of freelance day job role for a TV production company. Turns out these are the guys that make American Idol, The X Factor, um, like really big bloody shows around the world. And I was like, okay, I could do this. Sure, I'll, I'll come in for those work. And um, look, I, I stayed there for seven years after that one day. They offered me a job the day after and I stayed there and met my wife and we had kids and got married. And um, during that kind of process, they were working in that TV job I discovered kind of identity design in a really roundabout way where I was creating identities for new TV shows um, that we would pitch to a TV network here in Australia and even abroad to, you know, the UK or the US or in Asia. So quite interesting and you meet a whole heap of different interesting people and, you know, some of my work got on television, some of it got put on the side of an aeroplane, on the side of buses. It was quite, you know, like family feud here in Australia. I know you get it in the States and um, we did an Australian version and that led to working with brands like Star Wars and Disney and a whole heap of different other brands like Volkswagen and, and airlines and all this kind of stuff, which sounds really fun and everything. But to me, it was just I'm sitting in a corner in front of a computer designing some identities that I like doing. Every day in that job, I never felt like, oh, I got to, I got to go into work. It was, it was never that, but I knew that that kind of position wasn't for me still. It wasn't satisfying enough. And so I thought one day I'm going to run my own business. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to be a freelancer or something like that. And followed in the footsteps of my dad who does a similar thing, but in the music industry as a promoter, you know, kind of thing for big tours, um, big music tours and things. And I was like, it's doable. You can work from home. You can go abroad if you need to, to work with clients and do that kind of thing. So once I got married, had kids, I was like in 28 or 2017, I said to my wife, darling, I think I want to start a business. She's like, okay, do you know how to do that? And I was like, no. Um, I had to do the whole rigmarole of understanding a bit of business, a bit of finance, a bit of insurance, how to get clients, how to price myself, all that kind of stuff. Found a, a platform called The Future run by a guy named Chris Doe, taught me a hell of a lot there, just watching a heap of YouTube videos, then getting some advice from other business sort of professionals in here in Australia and launched G'day Frank in 2018. Um, and, you know, started it as a branding consultancy for small to medium businesses to help them with, you know, things like their logo, colors, all that kind of stuff, but then messaging and a bit of strategic planning of how their brand would be different to others in their market, how they would help create an experience for their customers to be memorable, to be liked, to be known, to be trusted, all the great things that come with branding. That's where I got to be here, and it's been now coming up to three years it's fantastic and you know that's not an everyday thing where you're growing up and 
you recognize that this sort of area is somewhere that certainly interests you. And now, as years have passed by, you're starting to see some of your um, branding on buses and planes and a variety of different places. So that's that's fantastic. Um, crazy. No, not everyone gets that. I got to say, like, because <laughs> opportunity comes along very, you know, very rarely, and I kind of maybe granted, but for now, it's just like, oh, that's a nice, you know, feather in the cap. It's awesome. So what would you say, you know, when it comes to branding, um, would you say it's more so a strong advantage, an investment, or rather a nice to have for your business? I really, I think this is a bit of a tough question because it, it, it does depend. And the word depend is always such a, a head scratcher because it's like, come on, man, just give me a straight answer. But it really comes down to what kind of business owner you are and, and what you value most if it's just the the revenue, the sales, and, and that's what you're in it for, then branding probably isn't going to be something of interest to you and it's probably going to be a nice to have. Um, if your business goes well without it, then there's, you know, you can keep going with it. I've heard of businesses like that and business owners that don't put the emphasis into having that. They might have three different logos, one on their shirt, one on their sign at the front, one on their business card, and it's a bit of a hodgepodge. But they still get customers because there's a necessity for whatever they offer in that area. And they're a go-to there. Um, the uh, the other side of the coin, where you want to stand out competitively, be recognised, you know, instill a sense of trust in your customer, um, and and have them you know wanting to come back and tell others about them. That's where branding can become a really great competitive advantage, but also an advantage to find the right customer that you want to work with, be it a product or a service-based business. So it can it can do. You know, it can produce dividends in terms of what that result could be, especially if you believe in it and, and put the effort and time into it because it can later on influence how you market your business, how you advertise because if you have those foundational bits, you know who you're trying to speak to, how you look, how you sound and everyone has clarity. So if you walk into an ad agency and say, okay, here's my brand Bible, it has how my logo is supposed to be used, it's how our tone of voice is supposed to be, and what kind of objective purpose that we have, that ad, ad agency is going to be like, sweet, we know what we need to create here. Sure, there's going to be some kind of particular purpose of what that ad is going to be for or about, but it has that strong foundational thing so that that way it, it sounds like that brand. It, it feels like that brand. So sure. anytime you see... Any brand that you know of, if it's McDonald's, if it's Apple, if it's Nike, there's a certain feeling we all get because it's an engineered feeling, um, good or bad, depending on your take on it. But no matter what kind of context you see it, without even seeing the logo, you should be able to go, oh, that is a Nike product. Mm -hmm. I'm about to see a Nike product here. Or I'm about to see an Apple ad. This just smells and reeks of an Apple ad, um, you know, for good or bad. And that's, that's an advantage because, um, you know, it can help you sell more products, you know, gain mm -hmm. more clients, retain more clients and customers. And over time, it can be an investment because you can build something that is beyond making money. And that can be worth something to your business, especially if you grow or you expand your line of products or services. Um, it can be a true investment if you manage it the right way. And that's where, you know, a lot of businesses from the get-go can fall in their face a bit, but it doesn't mean that you can't go in and, and re-kind of brand things and re-establish things and refresh things to 
to align with where you're going if things are changing from where you mm. were, let's say. So, yeah, there, it really is a bit of a flip of a coin depending on what kind of client that I'm working with or, or someone that approaches me, let's say, of how we treat this and what their frame of mind is on this. Sometimes it, it could just be a tick of the box. They're just like, yeah, look, I need a logo. I need, you know, a tagline and some colors and fonts. That'll be nice. Just, you know, can you do that for me? That kind of that kind of client is not someone that I think is is going to get something out of it, and I don't want them to walk away and go, "Oh, I spent all that money and this is all I got," kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. it, that that kind of person needs to come to the table and see the value in it, or you know, be open to the idea of it, and then be proven that it is. So once they see that kind of end result, they're like, "Damn, I'm, I'm glad I spent that money on it." So mm-hmm. that's how I see it. Right, and. You know, that makes a lot of sense. It's really just depending on what you value the most. But take Nike, for instance. You know, you can look at a Nike logo from a mile away and instantly know who they are, what they stand for. And so what's some tips and advice around making your brand stand out and become you know, more memorable? Yeah, so you say in terms of Nike, like we can we can see it from a mile away. Same, similar if you're driving down a highway and you see McDonald's logo, you, right. you know it's them. You know you know what that feeling is because you've experienced it and you have some particular, you know, gut feeling about them. Um, in, in terms of, you know, how how you go about creating something that, you know, people like and um, and want to come back for and, and know something about and make it an effective, um, make it an effective experience that that someone wants to engage with, I guess, is, is a bit of a hard one. And to stand out, you've got the opportunities galore kind of nowadays where you're not just having to put a sign out in front of your shop, hope people come, maybe stand on a yard, you know, a, an Apple box and, you know, tell everyone to come in. It, it's a little bit different now where you, you do have the opportunity to, you know, still do signage, but you've got digital spaces like social media, YouTube, um, advertising through those platforms as well. Things like newsletters to follow up on people that might abandon their cart when they, you know, shop on your e-commerce site, websites, apps, like all these different things, depending on the type of business that you are, you can connect with a customer in many amazingly different ways that are far more engaging than just seeing someone, you know, in a shop and saying, welcome to my shop. Here's my products. Want to buy one? Um, you can create something that's beyond the sales experience. It can be just a value experience of like something like a podcast, even where you, you're offering some free value in return for someone's you know time, and um, that might lead to an engagement down the track. Who knows? I think branding is one of those things that's a very long term play. It might it may it might pay off in the short term, but for for those of you if you're listening, you have a business, you know. Think about what um, think about what your customer wants for to begin with, or at least needs, if it, if your you know offering is a need, and then think about where they're going to f- potentially find you, or where they kind of hang out, depending on you know their location or you know what kind of age they might be. If they're into TikTok and things like that, then you might you know show things there. So that way you know where to kind of put the message, but then also craft the message that you want to communicate, be it verbally, visually, um, sound, sight, taste, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense for for your business and your product or your service. 
um, it, it's it's a it's an always a depends thing because it, it it does come down to what kind of offering you have to give, and this also goes for a personal brand as well, like to stand out, you know, differently or distinctively. Um, it, it's a bit of a hard game because ever like there's enough space for multiples of the same thing. You only have to look at supermarkets or you know things like that to understand that there's room for competition. But it comes down to what you offer something to that customer uniquely or it might even be if you're a coffee shop and someone you know you're in a line of coffee shops on a street why does someone pick you it might just come down to customer service that when someone comes in for a coffee your barista remembers their name remembers their order and that experience is just delightful um, that's sure. a part of branding um, the other part of branding is your internal kind of structure of making sure everyone's on the same page. Everyone knows what their purpose is of coming into work each day and, you know, executing on helping their clients or helping their customers or audience, whoever they might be. So they're like, when you walk into an Apple store, they all, everyone looks different. They've all got a sense of the same shirt, but they have that same, that same, you know, energetic vibe and really helpful demeanor about them that is ingrained in what that Apple experience should be in a retail experience. So there's a few different things that you, well, a few, there's a lot of different things um, you, you can do here to, to achieve that um, distinctive differences between others and, and then stand out. And a lot of the time in this day and age, the loudest voice typically wins. Um, so right. the more you can get out there consistently, you know, spelling out what it is you do or say or what your benefit is or bringing your community into the conversation and let it be their voice yeah the, the loudest voice kind of tends to win a lot in um in an online space especially and when you you know when you think about ways to stand out i love you know what you brought up is think about it from an internal perspective you know you walk into apple and you get a sense that they treat you differently and and it's just a lot different when you're in there and, and the way that, you know, everyone's on the same page in a sense is you can tell that everyone is following some sort of values um, and a set of values as well. So that's a, a really great way to stand out. But do you think about other ways to stand out when it comes to branding? And I think one of the ways is through color. And I see that with your branding specifically, you look at your Instagram where you post a lot of your podcasts and, you know, different design um suggestions and, and creations and your color is very distinct you know pink and white and so I'm, I'm curious what uh, if you can expand more on the importance of color and and what that means as far as standing out yeah of course yeah i'll give you a really interesting example so or a case study i guess you might say um about a year ago we were in a big shopping mall here in Sydney and I'm with my son and at the time he was two years old. So he was able to walk around and, and talk enough to be able to understand what he was saying. And sometimes when we go to this shopping mall, we go to a certain area in it where there's this juice bar. So like a smoothie kind of juice bar. And it's not in like a shop, like all the other clothing stores and things are. It's just sat in the middle of uh, kind of a thoroughfare walkway and it's distinctively colored this kind of lime green color. It's called Boost Juice. And I mean, I love the juice. That's my favorite place to go get a smoothie kind of juice thing. And he loved it too. 
I gave him a sip of my drink and he just, you know, just goes absolute batshit crazy going, dada, dada, I want your juice. I want your juice. So it got to a point where having that played out a few times, and I'm only talking like two or three times, we're walking towards that area and I'm no, not kidding here, a hundred meters away. And I've filmed this as well. I need to put this out sometime. I've still got it on my computer here, but we're no joke a hundred meters away. So maybe 50 to hundred feet away. And he sees that green, that lime green and goes, dada juice. And I was like, you're kidding. Um, and that kind of just goes to show that color, no matter what age you are, is the first association you have with something to understand that's different or, or understand that's what that is in a certain context. So yeah. for me, color is one of those things that I see it. And there's some research that probably backs it up as well. I've, I can't have anything called to mind off the top of my head, but that it's like that first thing that you see at the corner of your eye, obviously, again, depending on your context, but it's it's what you'd recognize first. So when you're scrolling on social media, on especially on Instagram, you want people to stop the scroll or at least recognize you as they're scrolling past. So they might stop and go, oh, I like that guy. I'm going to, you know, keep going here. I can see his first and then I'm going to read it and then I'm going to see his face or whatever and, and understand what the post is about. I'm going to swipe through if it's a carousel or maybe watch the video if, if that's the case. Um, so I picked the color. Well, originally I picked two colors. One was that same magenta pink and the other was this kind of very vibrant Royal blue kind of color. And I ended up just picking pink because I realized that that was the most dominant kind of color that people started remembering me for. And granted, I didn't really use the blue all that much. It was more of a, just the side kind of 20% used, used kind of accent color to throw it in there. And then I was like, okay, I need to rebrand here and I'm just going to ditch this blue color because it's not really helping me. I want someone to remember me for one color because that's going to make it much easier, much more memorable and and utilize that as something that can help me stand out in the context of how people see me. And, you know, being a stereotypically being a bloke and rock and pink is a little bit different. Um, I hope that stereotype dies because I don't see why pink needs to be associated with women. It doesn't really make sense to me because it's such a vibrant, energetic color that sure it can invoke certain certain uh, uh, color theory meaning behind it. If it's love, if it's some passion, if it's you know beauty or you know all those kind of things that we we could kind of associate it with. Um, but to add it to, you know, a, a male figure with a beard and trying to not, I mean, I'm not a macho guy by any means, but um, to have that kind of association just stands out a little bit differently from the crowd where, you know, guys are using blues and greens and reds and black and all that kind of stuff. They're just typical kind of things. Um, yeah, pink was just one of those ones for me that stood out. And funnily enough, there was a few other dudes in my space um, here in Australia and abroad that use pink as well. And, and we do it for the same reason. It's just to catch your eye. There's there's nothing too uh, meaningful about it. I mean, I don't like pink. I mean, I've got, I'm looking at myself, I've got pink post-it notes and a pink mouse mat and pink business card in front of me. And I kind of lean into the color just to make it a branded experience. And for a few months at the start of this year and last year, I, I painted my fingernail pink and I think I might just keep doing that because it's just a, an interesting kind of hallmark it, and it it's very similar to, you know, Bono from U2 having glasses or Steve Jobs wearing a black turtleneck or, mm. 
Dennis Rodman rocking those crazy hairstyles, you know, tats and piercings. Like to be mem- remembered for something um, can pay dividends because it has that association um, to the point where I had a <laughs> had a lady that I know here in Australia. She's a Aussie chick and. Um, she said she was out and about in a stationery store and saw this sign that was a very similar pink. And she messaged me after and was like, hey, I thought of you because I saw this sign. I was like, <laughs> get out. Um, and it's just those weird kind of associations that we do have. So when you look at big brands, I'm just I'm just going off what other brands are really doing here and just learning from that experience of it's sure. it's one or two colors. There's one predominant you know color that you could recognize those brands just by that alone. Um, and when someone asks you, what's, what's this brand? And it's, you know, the red, you're like, okay, Coca-Cola, or if it's this certain green Starbucks. Okay, cool. Um, or, or purple with Cadbury, you know, with chocolate. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. Color. Um, I had some client once say, Hey man, do you just use pink in all your, your, your clients work? And I was like, no, I think you might need to have a second look there. But I had one client at the time that was pink, and obviously my branding is all pink. But um, yeah, he he was just fascinated by by how I choose color, and I, the reason why I pick certain colors for clients is is predominantly just based on who their competition is and how we can distinctively stand out differently, and what aligns with the vibe of their industry or their, their personality of their business or the, the business owner or the personal brand, you know, the, the individual. So yeah, that's a bit about color. I could go on forever, but that's color. <laughs> no, and I love that. And I, I find that to be very interesting is how easily your brain just associates color with their thoughts. And so you're scrolling through Instagram, you know, the more you're scrolling through Instagram and you go through your post, you recognize, wait, this pink, oh, that's easily, good day, Frank, right? It, it, it's crazy to me how easy that is, but it, it makes a big difference is when you're able to land that consistency, people will recognize that and people are going to start recognizing that that content is yours. So I love that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's a combination of things. It's, it, it really just isn't color. You, could, you can't just have like a, a pink post and that kind of be it. Like it needs to be a combination of, you know, color first and then imagery second. Like if you can mm-hmm. incorporate, an image of yourself that's that trumps a logo then a logo then your type and, and that should be the hierarchy in, in my mind at least right that makes sense uh, so moving forward you previously stated being able to describe your ideal customer in one word forms the basis of how we conduct our discover brand strategy sessions uh, so what helps you identify your target customer you know what may be some helpful questions that you can ask yourself when trying to identify that target I think if you work, it's a very interesting question, but I think if you work backwards, like kind of reverse engineer the need um, that your product solves uh, or the want that the product solves. I mean, a want is something like candy for kids. Like it's not needed, but another need is toilet paper during a pandemic, apparently. Um, so for for you, it's it's kind of reverse engineering it backwards to say, okay, what kind of person would buy something like this? What person, what kind of person is going to need something like this? Um, and then you start to kind of figure out, okay, it's probably going to be Sally that you know is a homemaker. She's the one that goes to the the shops here and makes that buying decision on behalf of her family. And um, during this pandemic, she's a bit conscious of people 
not being able to go to the shops and doesn't want to get involved with it and goes, okay, well, I need to buy toilet paper here. I need something that's going to cater to everybody here, whatever it might be. And you create something that's going to stand out on the shelf. So that way, as soon as Sally turns the corner and has to run for that toilet paper, she knows that's the toilet paper there she needs. She grabs it and goes away. Um, it can be as simple as that, but that's playing it very simply. If you can at least have an, a, a bit of an assumption of what kind of pain points that person's going through in life that might need your service or even just certain desires that they might have. You can kind of paint a picture about who that kind of person is and what context that they're going to be buying this or in the frame of mind to even consider it. So that way you can create an experience that finds them at whatever stage of that funnel to make them aware of your product and then consider your product and then look into it a bit more, maybe compare it to others and then make that decision to buy. Um, so it, you don't want to really do guesswork, but when you're starting out, it's a, it's a bit hard not to, uh, but you can do more qualitative, sorry, quantitative data um, research where you could interview a few people. And, you know, if, if, if you wanted to stand out in front of a competitor's shop front and just say, oh, hey, I just have a couple of questions. You, I saw you walk into this store here. It seems like you might be interested in a product like this. Is there any, any reason why you walked out of the shop and not bought something like this? Um, and then you can find out what might help convert that person um, into a sale and then make a product either slightly different to cater to that or change the benefits of how you frame the product um, in terms of usage or an experience to tailor it to that kind of need or pain point or, or whatever it is. It might sound very convoluted, but, you know, once you look at things like demographic, so your age, gender, location, um, work status, all that kind of thing, and then psychographic, which is the the pain points, the, their objectives that they're trying to achieve in life, and then understand what your product can do to help that and then how it can go above and beyond that to you know create an experience that goes beyond just the benefit of the product or service you can create an experience and and create a brand based off that um, experience yeah there's a few different things you can do and as you kind of alluded to at the start of nailing your customer down to one word how look if you can do that great if there's one word that really sums them up fantastic um, but it might be one word that sums up the way that you position your business. Sure. Um, any kind of yeah, any kind of way that you position it for the market, being either competitors or and or your customers, and frame it around one word that you make every decision about your business and brand um, related to that word. So it's like an easy hallmark that everyone can get on board because the more words you use, and I've taken this from a guy named Mark Ritson, he's a fellow Aussie that's a marketing professor and brand consultant, he says, look, if, if you can get that positioning, you know, statement of, of who you are and what you do down to single words, fantastic. He gives two examples. And one is um, Apple, which ha they have three words, simplicity, creativity, and humanity. So that every ad they make, every product they make, every experience or whatever that might be that they produce it goes back to those three kind of positioning values that they live by, they live, breathe, die by kind of thing. Um, 
and then for another brand like um, this French watchmaker he gave this great example of is called Hublot. They came up with the idea of one word being fusion. And fusion can mean a whole myriad of different things. But in the context of a watch, uh, several years ago, they were the first watchmakers to combine a, a metal, be it gold or silver or, or, or platinum or whatever they're made of, with a watch band that was rubber. And for a high-end watchmaker to add rubber into a watch band was unheard of at the time. And it for them, that's where fusion came in. So rubber and gold for the timepiece had never come together since the Big Bang. Um, you know, when all particles, you know, collided and boof into the universe, they go. So they called the watch the Big Bang. Um, and it's all based on that idea of fusion, bringing two things together that never have come together before. And they were kind of one of the first brands that brought a sports star together with their watch, and that was Maradona, the soccer player. And I was like, why the hell is Maradona wearing a watch? And now you see it everywhere. Roger Federer with a watch of, I think it's like a Rolex, I think he might, you know, tout. All these kind of different endorsements of people coming together that way. Anyway, there were the people that led that kind of charge of that association, based on the idea of fusion. So yeah, if, if you can get it down to one word, great. But typically it's it's a few words that can describe your customer, your market, your offering into a sentence. Just keep it brief. That's kind of mm-hmm. I love that. And kind of making your decisions going off of those words. So it's really great. Um really great point that you bring up. Yeah. Uh, so Simon Sinek has stated multiple times people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And so I'm, I'm curious if you can expand more on that importance of starting with the why and, and how to best implement it into branding. Yeah, so Simon Sinek came up with a very interesting way of framing how, whether or not it's 100% true, it makes a lot of sense. Um, but the idea is that we're, we're typically, well, we in the past, we were typically presented only with what. And the what is what the thing does that we're buying we're interacting with so if it's a phone it makes phone calls but we don't know how it was made and we don't know why it was made um, when you introduce the how and the why it gets to the core idea of you know purpose and there's a great brand consultant who advises brands like apple his name's marty newmeyer and he kind of made this strategic pyramid and at the top of the pyramid is purpose and what purpose is is Anything you do as a business that um, is beyond making money. So why you do something shouldn't be to make money. What should be is to help a customer across the road, basically. Get them from point A to point B um, that they're trying to achieve. So for a, you know, for an iPhone, for any kind of smartphone, it's to connect with someone else. It's to make a phone call, a text message, a social media post, whatever it might be. Um, so that kind of purpose of having something that people can understand why it exists helps them connect better with what is on offer. So if you know why it exists and why it's made for that particular person, if you're that particular person, you know it's made for you and you feel you can't help but feel connected to something that's like, you've made something for me. You've solved my problem without me even asking. That's amazing. And then the how kind of side of things is aligning with either how you can use it, how someone can interact with you, but a lot of the time it's coming down to the process of 
of making it. And this is where value kind of lies of understanding the process of making something like this. And to give you another example here, my wife is about to start her own jewelry kind of business of handmade clay earrings. And for something like that, a handmade product goes above and beyond something that's, you know, mass produced, manufactured, because there's attention to detail, there's love and and, and, um, time and effort that goes into something like that. And if she shows that process of doing so, when once you see something like a price on a on a price tag kind of thing and you think okay that's that's quite expensive i don't think i need that in my life but if you knew how much that took to actually make you might appreciate that a hell of a lot more so if it was just one person sitting in a factory making something completely by hand you know stitching it with you know beautiful threads beautiful materials taking the time to craft that my god it should be worth $2000 but you're you're scoffing over something that you know is just materialistic and you're not seeing the true value of something. So when someone presents how it was made, there's no, there's, there's no allusion to why Apple present you with how the iPhone was engineered and designed. You see it getting cut out of a one piece of aluminium and then bits go into it. And then there's paint thrown at it and all these kind of things. You see how the thing was made. It, it shows you what the value is of what you're actually buying so that when you see the price tag of what it is and what it can do and everything like that, the features and benefits, it makes sense. Sure. So, so yeah, if you work from why outwards, so why, how, what, it's better than working from what, how, and then why. Right. And people recognize that uniqueness, you know, that sense of uniqueness is in time and effort that goes into those types of things. So it's a really great point on that. Uh, as we wrap things up, are there any final thoughts around branding that you'd like to share before we conclude? Uh, there'd probably be many. The first thing that comes to mind is just consistency. It, it, it's kind of, it's all well and good to go down the, the rabbit hole of um, establishing who you are as a business to create a great identity, be it visually, be it you know your voice, be it the message you want to convey consistently. But then like keeping that consistent is the hard part and and what you've just done at the start branding is just the start of of that um it, it, you've you've barely started the race basically the, the gun's gone off and you've taken your first step it's like what else are you going to do now you you have to manage that and for a lot of businesses that do that when they start out and they get all these things in place which is a great first step it's taking those next steps and, and being aware that those next steps are really going to be what's going to be the hard slog because you're probably not going to have the designer that created your logo and your messaging and your strategy to begin with. Um, you might need someone on your team, be it a marketing person, be it a brand manager, someone there that can be the custodian of what decisions you make from a branding standpoint going forward. So that way, any material that you make, be it the packaging you have, the signage you have, um, social media presence, your website, any kind of presentations you might make to clients, leave behind documents, things like that. It's all consistent. It comes from the same voice, comes with the same mm-hmm. feeling, values, purpose. And it's it's a hard, it's a hard ask. Um, but that's why certain brands have grown to the way they have, because they have people there that are those custodians that make sure that that experience is consistent, no matter where you go. So that if you go into a McDonald's here in Sydney, Australia, it goddamn better be the same experience that you get in LA 
in, in the States or in Paris in France. It, it needs to be that brand and you know what that kind of what experience you're going to get. So that's the challenge I'll leave you with there is to be mindful mm-hmm. of going into it. It's just the same as running a podcast. It's that longevity of, of keeping things managed and, and tight and um, on point. So that's the point. I'll leave it with you. Definitely. And I, I certainly agree with that is it's so important to keep that consistency strong because if you're looking at a logo like McDonald's, people aren't going to remember that just from a first glance. People are going to remember that through consistency and, and trust and, and they recognize how you continue to, to implement that. So it's a really right. great point on that. Yeah. Uh, well, Frank, I, I appreciate your time. Again, your thoughts have just been very helpful. So so thanks so much and, and I hope all the best for you and, and best of luck as you continue your podcasts and uh, your designing um, brand strategy uh, group. It's that's fantastic and you're doing really great work and you're certainly helping a lot of other people. So uh, continue that and best of luck to you. Uh, okay. Listeners, if you have any questions, please contact us via LinkedIn. Also, I highly recommend you checking out Frank's podcast episodes and resources. And you can do that by going to his website, goodayfrank.com. But with that, thank you everyone so much for listening and have a great day. 